so this uh, past week, I was reminded that the church is a lot like Carowinds in the summer. I had a friend that went to Carowinds, and um, her husband backed out at the last minute, but she thought that was probably easier. So she and a friend took five kids. They went on Thursday uh, because it's cheaper on Thursday, and yet there are more crowds on Thursday. They had five kids. Three were afraid of the roller coaster and what might happen if they go up and then come down and go up again, and maybe they won't come down. They had pools to prepare for. If they got too hot, they were going to go to the pool, and everybody had to stay hydrated, and they had to buy just one more stuffed animal, and just all the rigmarole, Right? That's life. That's life. That's also sometimes what the church is like. If you think about it, it's been a busy summer. And we are moving through to the end of our series on the dog days of summer. And we've been in the book of Ephesians primarily for that. But not just Ephesians that I've been dealing with. I was studying the book of Ruth. Um, most of the month of July to prepare for our women's retreat. And so there was Ephesians and Ruth that I never saw coming together, and yet I think they have. We'll find out in a minute. And then in addition to Ephesians and, and the book of Ruth, it, we have our preparations for Harrison next and the Bible study that Kyle referenced and we're, the insert in your bulletins for, and, and that's gospel primarily. How is it that the church is to be in this world and what is our purpose and why has God created us and called us together and kept us together and everybody's got their own interests. Some want to go to the pool and some want to ride the roller coaster. Some are afraid of the roller coaster. But life, right? And busyness and church and, and all of us coming together, plotting out the day, dealing with the changes that are happening around us. I mean, what happens if a thunderstorm comes up at Carowinds, right? You got to deal with the changes. We've had some of those recently, but just all of it, all of it. And, and like I said, I never thought I'd see Ruth coming together with the book of Ephesians, but we're going to give it a shot. So if you will, please stand and I'll begin in Ephesians and then I'll be turning over to Ruth just briefly. But our epistle lesson, that means our letter from Paul or a disciple of Paul, uh, begins in chapter 6, verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his power. Put on the whole armor of God so that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For our struggle is not against enemies of blood and flesh, but against the rulers against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God so that you may be able to withstand on that evil day, having done everything to stand firm. Stand, therefore, and fasten on the belt of truth around your waist and put on the breastplate of righteousness. As shoes, for your, as shoes for your feet, put on whatever will make you ready to proclaim a gospel of peace. With all of these, take up the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. 
Pray in the Spirit at all times in every prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert and always persevere in supplication for all the saints. Pray also for me that when I speak a message, that when I speak, a message may be given to me so to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in change. Pray that I may declare it boldly as I speak. And then I'm going to turn over to Ruth. Perhaps you know this text. You find it a lot at weddings. It's actually said between a mother-in-law and a daughter-in-law. But it works. It works for many relationships. In this book of Ruth, chapter 1, verse 14. Then they wept aloud again. Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. So she said, see, your sister-in-law has gone back to her own people, to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, do not press me to leave you or to turn back from following you. Where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God, my God. And where you die, I will die, and there will I be buried. May the Lord do thus, and so to me, and more as well, if even death departs, parts me from you. All of this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Be seated. And let us pray. Gracious God, again, we come before you offering up ourselves for transformation listening for that word that would guide us to be your new creation in Christ this day, the next, and every day that follows. Find us faithful, Lord, in our choices, in our lives. For it's in the name of Christ we pray. Amen. So I'm going to take you from 95 degrees here in Charlotte up to zero degrees in Alaska. Sounds good, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, let's go. Anyway, Alaska in the wintertime, the Iditarod is where we're going to start today. The Iditarod is one of the most carefully planned for sports of all time. You've got to be specific. You've got to be intentional. When you begin this thousand-mile race across the tundra of Alaska. So training for the athletes, then the athletes are the dogs, or so the people will tell you. The, the mushers will tell you. The athletes are the dogs. And training for the dogs begins before birth. These dogs are bred to love to race. They are bred to withstand the cold and the elements of Alaska. They are bred to have the strength and the speed to make this journey. After they are born at about nine months, these dogs are hooked up to their first sleds. At, two, at one year, they're hooked up to, they begin to race at, at, at one, sorry, nine months hooked up. One years old, they um, start to, to race and hook to the sleds in the summertime. And I love this. There's a Methodist camp up in Alaska just outside of Anchorage. And when my husband and I lived there, you would drive into the camp and there would be signs here and there saying dog sled crossing. And it was summer. And it just didn't make sense to us why in the world we'll be talking about that in the summer. But, but they pull ATVs in the summer that are in neutral. 
They train all year long. So anyway, they begin to train. By two years old, they are racing, and they hit the trail, right? Now, when they hit the trail, it has to be carefully planned for. It has to be intentional. These dogs eat 10,000 to 14,000 calories a day. i got a plan for it. Regular dog, normal dogs eat about 1,000 calories a day. 10,000 to 14,000 calories a day. They have to have specific levels of protein. And because dogs rarely drink when they're thirsty, the protein of choice is salmon. Because salmon has a high water content. Are you getting it? They, everything, every detail is planned for as they make this 1,000-mile trek carrying 450 pounds of a sled with them. Smart dogs in the front, but they also have to have good hearing to hear the commands of the musher. Strong dogs in the back. Male dogs and females are placed side by side so that there's less fighting. Again, intentional, thought through, planned for, and every musher will tell you they cannot plan for everything. As intentional and specific as they are, they cannot plan for every eventuality that could possibly happen in the wintertime in Alaska. They just can't do it. There's going to be a blizzard. There's going to be frostbite. A dog's going to get sick. They just don't know. Recently, they've had to, to plot new courses because the ice rivers that they use as the thoroughfare are melting. You can't take a dog sled across thin ice. And so while they are adjusting to that new reality, what happens when they hit one that's too thin? Everything planned for, and yet they can't cover it all. And like I said, I think that's the life of faith. We can be intentional. We can be thorough. We can be regular in our spiritual disciplines, pray and study Bible, sing our praises, worship. All We can be so very intentional. We can think through how this life is going to go. And yet, it's difficult to plan for every, intention, every challenge, every possibility, every opportunity, every unexpected event for better or for worse. And so Paul, as he comes to the Ephesians in this very last chapter, begins to help us understand how important it is to plan, how important it is to be intentional in our faith, how important it is to think ahead and to, to um, consider all the possibilities, all the variables. And yet, we all know, we've all been there, something's going to happen that will throw us off course. Something's going to happen that we didn't plan for. Something, again, opportunities, challenges, something's going to change. And the people of faith adjust. As important as it is to plan and to think through and to be intentional, it's just as important to be flexible and to have an ability to adapt to circumstances. And so we live our lives of faith holding these two in tension. And like I said, we're going to encounter Ruth and Ephesians today to help us do so. Ephesians, we've been here for about a month. 
And we know that the Ephesians or the church at Ephesus is a very successful church. The gospel has claimed lives and souls have been transformed. And they're doing what they need to do to be faithful in that time and space. And as they are faithful, the city around them begins to change. They're that impactful. That's how the church started. God help us to keep that going, right? To be so faithful that it begins to change the culture around us. And we begin to be influencers in our community or continue to be influencers in our community. And so this is the experience of the church at Ephesus. They're getting it right. And Paul has written to them, or a disciple of Paul, and and. and encouraged them and given them guidance and told them how it is that we live this life as as believers, how it is we're distinct, how it is we're called to make that faithful witness with specific behaviors, remember? Chapter 4 and 5, very specific behaviors. Let no falsehoods come from your mouth. Speak. No evil, only that which is helpful to build up. Wouldn't we all be better with that one? Guilty as charged. No evil come from your mouth, only the words that are helpful for building up the body. Be forgiving as you have been forgiven. Be grace-filled as God has encountered even us with God's grace. Be welcoming. Bring not. Jesus has brought the walls down. Let us not put them back up. Paul has instructed his people over and over with how it is to be faithful. Ending in in chapter 5 with this very key verse, be imitators of God. With all this intentionality and all these things we're called upon to remember and all these behaviors we're called upon to embody and all these characteristics that are part of our own character as believers, it comes down to be imitators of God. Walk in the way of Jesus. Do what Jesus did. And so we've gone through this with the Ephesians over the last few weeks. And we come to chapter 6 and it's the farewell discourse. And Paul begins to write those words that he believes that we need to hear. A church that is not locked to one culture, one time, one space. Remember this is 2,000 years ago in Asia Minor and we're still reading it today. Paul writes these words that the Spirit has carried across millennia, telling us to be ready, to be ready for whatever it is that comes our way. Practice these disciplines so that when something unexpected comes up, we're ready. And we don't shrink away, and we don't opt out, and we don't, we're ready as those who have been called upon to imitate Christ. So Paul writes to this church, offering all of us the encouragement we need. He knows that the church wasn't always going to have it so good, as they did in Ephesus. He knows we're going to have to practice. He knows that over the millennia, perhaps, that, that there are going to be challenges that we face. Absolutely. So he writes these words again, calling on us, instructing us, imploring us, encouraging us, to be ready, to be ready. And, and it's interesting, I think, you have to pay attention because when a Christian, early Christian, begins to write using military metaphors, that's different, folks. Christians were pacifists. Jesus, right, was, was a pacifist. Had every opportunity to bring down the angels of the army angels or whatever they said. Um, 
I've spoken to him on the cross. He had every opportunity to fight with his disciples as in the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus said, turn the other cheek. So when language of military comes into play, we got to pay attention. we got to pay attention. And, and these words from Paul match the words of Greek generals in Greek literature. Paul was a Greek scholar. He, he wrote in Greek. He knew that language. He knew the literature. And, and what he does in this final chapter of Ephesians is address the troops. And uses these references to remind us how it is that we are called upon to be ready. And he knows right at the beginning of, in verse 10 and a few following, this fight is not of flesh and blood. This not, fight is not about violence here in this world, not at all. This fight is about powers and principalities and the evil that is part of this world, this existence can't deny it and how we are to be ready and how we are to do battle again strong language but I think he's trying to get his point across how it is we are to be faithful in the face of whatever comes our way and it's it's beautiful language poetic language suit up he says suit up in the armor of God Put on the belt of truth. Put on the breastplate of righteousness. You're in this discipline, right? We know the truth because we've been studying our scripture. We understand the lifestyle of one called to be righteous because we're imitators of Christ. We're ready. We keep these these clothes on. Uh, Put shoes on your feet so that you can proclaim a gospel of peace over and against the chaos of the world over and against the violence of the world, the culture of any time. Put on your shoes so that you can proclaim a gospel of peace. People of God, this is who we are. Carry the shield of faith. It's going to get tough. Hold on to your faith. You're going to be challenged. Hold on to your faith. And best I can tell, that takes practice. Sometimes it just takes putting one foot in front of the other, knowing God's got this, and the people of God are with you. We'll get to that with Ruth. Carry the shield of faith. Wear the helmet of salvation. You are covered. You are marked with the seal of the Holy Spirit. Paul has made that reference already in Ephesians. So we know that this is our identity, that helmet of salvation, that sword of the Spirit. And I love this one. Pray at all times because again we are never going to make it as those called to be nothing less than imitators of God we can't do that without prayer pray at all times so that we may persevere so that we may persevere whether whether we experience the known or the unknown, whether we've predicted what's going to happen next or whether it has just knocked us off our feet in surprise. Pray at all times so that you may persevere. We may persevere. These are the last words Paul is giving to the church This is the pep talk. This is the stand ready. This is the suit up so that you can go out there and meet the world. Whatever comes your way. Suit up. Practice these disciplines. Be part of what God is doing. Imitate Christ. Nothing less. 
And Paul believes as those marked by the Holy Spirit, we can do this. It's a tall order, but it's put before us. So I want you to hold those words of Paul and, and we'll go back to the Hebrew Bible, our Old Testament scripture in the book of Ruth. And we hear what happens when the unexpected occurs. If there's any story that is more illustrative of what happens in life, how life is unpredictable, how life comes at us in ways we never could have imagined or planned for, it's the book of Ruth. Naomi has lost her husband and not one but two sons at the beginning of our story. And she is left with these two daughter-in-laws. What in the world will she do? These are circumstances she never anticipated, never could have planned for. And quite frankly, as a woman in that time, in that culture, these are circumstances that are incredibly dangerous and threatening. For the first time in her life, she belongs, that's the language of the scripture in this story, she belongs to no one. And to make it, in that day and time, a woman had to be attached. Had to be attached. And so she faces this unknown future. She has these two daughter-in-laws for whom she feels responsible. And she says, y'all got to go back home. I can't handle this. I can't handle this on my own. I've got enough to take care of just to make sure I don't starve. Y'all go on back to Moab is, is where the girls are from. And one goes back. Orpah turns from her and goes back, kisses her mother-in-law and heads home. Ruth says, I'm not going. Ruth says, I'm standing by you. I'm sticking with you. Whatever happens to you is going to happen to me. Evidently, the presence of God had been so impactful through Naomi and her family that Ruth knew that sticking with her mother-in-law, she had a good chance. Perhaps Ruth knew that Hebrew law would dictate that the widow, the orphan, and the alien would be cared for. Perhaps Ruth knew that food would be left in the fields. We call it gleaning for the poor. Food, is a, it's, this is a law. The command is to leave food in the field when you harvest so that no one starves and so that the poor can come behind you and gather food for their families. Perhaps Ruth knew that law would protect her. Perhaps she knew that there would be a law in which her family would begin again and she would be married to a relative. That one's a little bit of a stretch, but I'll, I'll preach on that one later. Anyway, law, God's law, when followed, cared for those in desperate circumstances. And Ruth decided to stick with Naomi and take a shot. And so they make this decision. Many believe it's probably the first independent decision these women have ever made in their lives. They didn't decide things for themselves back then. Their first independent decision is to turn around and head home to Bethlehem where they know the people of God will be there and if the people of God are being faithful to the call of God, they will be cared for in this unknown future. I think that 
Ruth, among many other things, tells us to stick together. To count on the word of God, whether it's law or letter of Paul or the gospel of Jesus Christ. Stick together, people of God, so that you can face whatever it is that comes your way, planned for or not. Predicted or surprised, stick together. Know the word. Know each other. Suit up and move on. Because none of us are called to stay in place. Suit up and head out because as we come together, as we follow the word, as we embody Christ as imitators of Christ, that is the witness that God has called upon us to give for this world. From beginning of scripture to the end, God's people were to be a blessing for the world. From Abraham through Christ to Paul to Harrison Church. The ultimate call for those living in imitation of Christ and following the word of God from beginning to end, Hebrew Bible, New Testament, whatever, is to be a blessing. And that's where we're headed. That's where we're headed today, tomorrow, next day, wherever it is, predicted, surprised, whatever, no matter. Suit up, head out, we're ready. Thanks be to God. Amen. Let us pray. Gracious God, we do thank you for your confidence in us. We thank you, Lord, for your timeless word, for the power of your Holy Spirit that transcends time, place, culture, language, life, to invest in us here and now so that we as your people may continue to be the blessing you have for this world. Guide us now. Lead us tomorrow. Each day may we be found faithful. For we not only pray in the name of Christ, we will do our best to live in the name of Christ. Amen. Now may the grace of Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the power of the Holy Spirit suit us up and lead us out. Amen.